Good morning, everyone, <clears throat> and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net where if you mouse over the link at top for original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And that's the recorded portion. We do carry on for another hour. Uh, no discussion. Well, we read. And uh, today we are continuing our reading in Chapter 1, Introduction to Miracles, with Section 1, Principles, Principles of Miracles, uh, Paragraph uh, 59 through 70, which is Miracle Principles 41, 42, and 43. <clears throat> and... Uh, And we do ask that, that you're, for the initial part of this call that you remain on mute while during the reading, unless you're reading. And if we mute you from here to eliminate background noise, you can unmute yourself with star six. <coughs> At the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day. Today's lesson. Lesson six, I am upset because I see what is not there. And uh, our usual leader in that plan is still absent, and so we will be calling for volunteers to lead the remembrance of our lesson and ask that that include uh, touching in with the summary of Lesson 6, which is in Lesson 52, as Paragraph 2 of Lesson 52. I am upset because I see what Okay, and I think uh, to start today, I will <laughs> I will jump ahead a little bit and uh, read some of Miracle Principle 42, which says, Wholeness is the perceptual content of miracle. It does correct or atone 
where the faulty perception of lack anywhere. Here we begin to make the fundamental distinction between miracle and projection. The stimulus must perceive the response and will also determine the kind of response that is evoked. Behavior is response. So that the question, response to what, becomes crucial. Since stimuli are defined through perception, you first perceive the stimulus and then behave accordingly. It follows then that as ye perceive, so shall you ye behave. As ye perceive, so shall ye behave. I will stop there and proceed to our reading list this morning. With us in reading, we have Lana, Diana, and Charles, and Robin Marie. And with us in listening, we have Ida and Judy. Is there anyone else who joins us this morning who would like to say good morning? And join the reading list or just say they're here. All right, well, I'll go ahead and get us started then with uh, paragraph 59, Miracle Principle 41. The miracle acknowledges all men as your brothers and mine. It is a way of perceiving the universal mark of God. The specialness of God's Son the specialness of God's Son does not stem from exclusion, but from inclusion. All my brothers are special. If they believe they are deprived of anything, their perception becomes distorted. When this occurs, the whole family of God, or the sonship, is impaired in its relationship. Ultimately, every member of the family of God must return. (coughs) The miracle calls him to return because it blesses him and honors him even though he may be absent in spirit. Okay, and Lana? Okay. Um, this is an introduction to miracles, uh, principle of principles of miracles, uh, paragraph forty. You know, miracle principle forty-one. I always get that confused. Okay, the miracle acknowledges all men as your brothers and mine. It is a way of perceiving the universal mark of God in them. The specialness of God's sons 
does not stem from exclusion, but from inclusion. All my brothers are special. If they believe they are deprived of anything, their perception becomes distorted. When this occurs, the whole family of God or the sonship or the sonship is impaired in its relationships. Ultimately, every member of the family of God must return. The miracle calls him to return because it blesses and honors him, even though he may be absent in spirit. Uh, Paragraph 60, in quotes, God is not mocked, is not a warning, but a reassurance on this point. God would be mocked if any of his creations lacked holiness. The creation is whole, and the mark of wholeness is holiness. Thank you, Lana. And Diana. 60, quote, God is not mocked, is not a warning, but a reassurance on this point. God would be mocked if any of his creations lacked holiness. The creation is whole, and the mark of wholeness is holiness. 61. Wholeness is a perceptual contact of miracles. It thus corrects or atones for the faulty perception of lack anywhere. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. And Charles, would you read the 61 through 63 under Miracle Principle 42? Oh, okay. Wholeness is the perceptual content of miracles. It thus corrects or atones with a faulty perception of lack anywhere. Here we begin to make the fundamental distinction between miracles and projection. The stimulus must precede the response and will also determine the kind of response that is evoked. Behavior is response. So that the question response to what? becomes crucial. Since stimuli are identified through perception, you first perceive stimulus and then behave according accordingly. It follows then that as you perceive, so shall you behave. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. And Robin Marie, uh, can you read now? Since stimuli are identified through perception, you first perceive the stimulus and then behave accordingly. It follows then 
that as ye, as ye perceive, so shall ye behave. Paragraph 64. The golden rule asks you to behave toward others as you would have them behave toward you. This means that perception of both must be accurate. The golden rule is the rule for appropriate behavior. You cannot behave appropriately unless you perceive accurately because appropriate behavior depends on lack of level confusion. The presence of level confusion always results in variable reality testing and therefore in variability in behavioral appropriateness. Since you and your neighbor are equal members of the same family, as you perceive both, so you will behave toward both. The way to perceive for golden rule behavior is to look out from the perception of your own holiness and perceive the holiness of others. Thank you, Robin Marie. And uh, Lana, would you read 64 and 65? Sure. Okay, 64. The golden rule asks you to behave toward others as you would have them behave toward you. This means that the perception of both must be accurate. The golden rule is the rule for appropriate behavior. You cannot behave appropriately unless you perceive accurately because appropriate behavior depends on lack of level confusion. The presence of level confusion always results in variable reality testing and therefore in variable variability in behavioral appropriateness. Since you and your neighbor are equal members of the same family, as you perceive both, so you will behave toward both. The way to perceive for golden rule behavior is to look out from the perception of your own holiness and perceive the holiness of others. 65. The emptiness engendered by fear should be replaced by love because love and its absence are in the same dimension and correction cannot be undertaken except within a dimension. Otherwise, there has been a confusion of levels. Death is a human affirmation of a belief in, in brackets, hate or level confusion. That is why the Bible says there is no death and why I demonstrated that death does not exist. I came to fulfill the law by reinterpreting it. The law itself, if properly understood, offers only protection to man. 
It is those who have not yet changed their minds who entered the hellfire concept into it. Thank you, Lana. <clears throat> and Diana, if you continue at 65, 66. Okay. The emptiness engendered by fear should be replaced by love because love and its absence are in the same dimension and correction cannot be undertaken except within dimension. Otherwise, there has been a confusion of levels. Death is a human affirmation of a belief in brackets hate or level confusion. That is why the Bible says there is no death and why I demonstrate that death does not exist. I came to fulfill the law by reinterpreting it. The law itself is properly understood, offers only protection to man. It is those who have not yet changed their minds, uh, quote, have entered the, quote, hellfire concept into it. 66, I assure you that I will witness for anyone who lets me and to whatever extent he permits it. Your witnessing demonstrates your belief and that thus strengthens it. Those who witness for me are expressing through their miracles that they have abandoned the belief in um, deprivation in favor of abundance they have learned belongs to them. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. And uh, Mm -hmm. Charles. <clears throat> Would you read 66 and then start Miracle Principle 43? Okay. Are you on mute, John? Okay. Well, I will. I will continue here with uh, sixty-six. I assure you that I will. I, meaning Christ, will witness for anyone who lets me, and to whatever extent he permits it. Your witnessing demonstrates your belief, and the strengthens. Those who witness for me are expressing through their miracles that they have abandoned the belief in deprivation in favor of the abundance they have learned 
belongs to them. Miracle Principle 43. A major contribution of miracles is their strength in releasing man from his misplaced sense of isolation, deprivation, and lack. Uh, Robin Marie, would you continue with Miracle Principle 43? Sure. Um, 43. A major contribution of miracles is their strength in releasing man from his misplaced sense of isolation, deprivation, and lack. Miracles are affirmations of sonship, which is a state of completion and abundance. Whatever is true and real is eternal and cannot change or be changed. The soul is therefore unalterable because it is already perfect. But the mind can elect the level it chooses to serve. The only limit which is put on its choice is that it cannot serve two masters. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Lana. Okay. Okay. Uh, 68, uh, miracles are affirmations of sonship, which is a state of completion and abundance. Whatever is true and real is eternal and cannot change or be changed. The soul is therefore unalterable because it is already perfect, but the mind can elect the level it chooses to serve. The only limit on the only limit which is put on its choice is that it cannot serve two masters. Sixty nine. The mind, if it elects to do so, becomes a medium by which the soul creates along the line of its own creation. If it does not freely elect to do so, it retains its creative potential, but places itself under tyrannous rather than genuinely authoritative control. As a result, it imprisons, because such are the dictates of tyrants. To change your mind means to place it at the disposal of true authority. Thank you, Lana. I realize that's looking here. <laughs> okay, um, let's continue with Diana. Would you read 6970? Sure, 69. The mind, if it elects to do so, becomes a medium by which the soul creates along the line of its own creation. If it does not freely elect to do so, it retains its creative potential 
but places itself under tyrannous rather than genuinely authoritative control. As a result, it imprisoned because such are the dictates of tyrants. To change your mind means to place it in the disposal of true authority. 70. The miracle is thus a sign that the mind has chosen to be led by Christ in his service. The abundance of Christ is the natural result of choosing to follow him. All shallow roots must be uprooted because they are not deep enough to sustain you. The illusion that shallow roots can be deepened and thus made to hold is one of the distortions on which the reversal of the golden rule rests. As the false underpinnings are given up, the equilibrium is temporarily experienced as unstable. However, the fact is that nothing is less stable than an orientation that is upside down, nor can anything which holds it that way be really conducive to greater stability. Thank you. Thank you, Diana. And Robin Marie, would you read to 70? Uh, 70 and 71. Is that right? Hello? Oops, sorry. Backwards on the mute. Uh, just 70. Oh, 70. Sure. <coughs> Excuse me. The miracle is thus a sign that the mind has chosen to... <coughs> Goodness. The miracle is thus a sign that the mind has chosen to be led by Christ in his service. The abundance of Christ is the natural result of choosing to follow him. All shallow roots must be uprooted because they are not deep enough to sustain you. The illusion that shallow roots can be deepened and thus made to hold is one of the distortions on which the reversal of the golden rule rests. As these false underpinnings are given up, the equilibrium is temporarily experienced as unstable. However, the fact is that nothing is less stable than an orientation that is upside down, nor can anything which holds it that way be really conducive to greater stability. Thank you, Robin Marie. And is there a new reader who would like to conclude by rereading 70? We have a new reader. Sure, I can read it. This is Sondra. Thank you, Sondra. <clears throat> the miracle is thus a sign that the mind has chosen to be led by Christ in his service. 
The abundance of Christ is the natural result of choosing to follow him. All shallow roots must be uprooted because they are not deep enough to sustain you. The illusion that swallow roots can be deepened and thus made to hold is one of the distortions on which the reversal of the golden rule rests. The illusion that shallow roots can be deepened and thus made to hold is one of the distortions on which the reversal of the golden rule rests. As these false underpinnings are given up, the equilibrium is temporarily experienced as unstable. However, the fact is that nothing is less stable than an orientation that is upside down. Nor can anything which holds it that way be really conducive to greater stability. Uh, thank you, Sandra. All right, I'm going to just do a short summary of today's reading. Reading the sentences that directly refer to miracles. I, oh, I started near the end. Um, from 41, the miracle acknowledges all men as your brothers and mine. The miracle is a way of perceiving the universal mark of God in them. Specialness does not stem from exclusion, but from inclusion. All our brothers are special. Ultimately, every member of the family of God must return. The miracle calls him to return because it blesses and honors him, even though he may be absent in spirit. Creation is whole, and the mark of wholeness is holiness. Principle 42, wholeness is the perceptual content of miracle. The miracle thus corrects or atones for the faulty perception of lack anywhere. Here we begin to make fundamental distinction between miracle and projection. As ye perceive, so shall ye behave. The golden rule asks you to behave towards others as you would have them behave towards you. This means the perception of both must be accurate. The golden rule is the rule for appropriate behavior. The way to perceive for golden rule behavior is to look out from the perception of your own holiness and perceive the holy. 
Suman 42, paragraph 66. Christ assures us that he will witness for anyone who lets him and to he will witness for anyone who lets him and to whatever extent he permits your witnessing demonstrates your belief and thus strengthens it those who witness for Christ are expressing through their miracles that they have abandoned the belief in deprivation in favor of the abundance they have learned along with it. 43. A major contribution of miracles is their strength in releasing man from his misplaced sense of isolation, deprivation, and lack. <clears throat> miracles are affirmation of sonship which is a state of completion and abundance. Whatever is true and real is eternal and cannot change or be changed. The soul is therefore unalterable because it is already perfect, but the mind can elect the level it chooses to serve. The only limit which is put on its choice is that it cannot serve you now. Finally, the miracle is thus a sign that the mind has been chosen to be led by Christ in his service. The illusion that shallow roots can be deepened and thus made to hold is one of the distortions on which the reversal of the golden rule rests. If these false underpinnings are given up, the equilibrium is temporarily experienced as unstable. However, the fact is that nothing is less stable than an orientation that's upside down. Nor can anything which holds it that way be really conducive to Um, we have reached the top of the hour, and at this time we check in with uh, our lesson for the day. Is there someone who would like to lead our remembrance of the lesson for today, lesson six? I am upset because I see something that is not. and touch in with the summary of 52. This is Sandra, I can do it. Okay, great, thank you, Sandra. 
I am, this is lesson six, I am upset because I see something that is not there. Oh, we want to do that in the um, review section, yes? I think, oh. Reality is never frightening. It is impossible that it could upset me. Reality brings only perfect peace. When I am upset, it is always because I have replaced reality with illusions, which I made up. The illusions are upsetting because I have given them reality and thus regard reality as an illusion. Nothing in God's creation is affected in any way by this confusion of time, of mine. I am always upset by nothing. I am upset because I see something that is not there. Let's take a moment. Today's idea is useful for application to anything that seems to upset you and can profitably be used throughout the day for that purpose. However, the three or four practice periods which are required should be preceded by a minute or so of mind searching as before. And the application of the idea to each upsetting thought uncovered in this search there are no small upsets. They are all equally disturbing to my peace of mind. I cannot keep this form of upset and let the others go. For the purposes of these exercises then, I will regard them all as the same. I am upset because I see something that is not there. Amen. Thank you, Sandra. Well, thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. <laughs> yeah, this is Lemoyne. <clears throat> I see this is very clarifying on the last paragraph reading in terms of the upside down perception. Yeah, you know, the upset. When I think about the upset, there the things that upset me they always have a, a specific reference starts with a perception applied to a, something in form, and then 
have it change, you know, my perception of who I am. So this is this is the, I think one of the this is what not all, but not the only way, perhaps, but this is essentially the essence of level that form the term. The form is God rather than God and soul being God. <clears throat> that's what Bukta was on state that created the whole world we see <laughs> in form. I'm sorry, Lemoyne, you're getting, your voice is not... Okay, well, you seem to break up to me. Um, I, am I breaking up or am I just faint? You're broken, you're broken up. You're okay. Clear. All right, well, that's probably my connection then. Well, and and Charles is broken up for me, so um, Lemoyne, you are not. So there's something going on. <laughs> Technology. I'm broken up. Okay. I'm here. I'm here. Charles is broken up. Um, Lemoyne's fine. He's a little faint, but he's not broken up. He's not for me. Thank you. And you're both whole, by the way. <laughs> One thing that I noticed, um, this is Robin Marie, is... <laughs> I just got something on my phone saying that I had five more days to pay my cell phone because <laughs> I pay it monthly. And I just went in and paid it yesterday. And this was a good lesson because I was like, well, I'm not going to be upset about that. Technology makes mistakes, you know. And, and then uh, I'm not going to be worried about that. I know I went in there and paid it. But I can't find my receipt, so I may go in and make sure. But it's probably that sort of thing happens all the time when miscommunication between certain machinery happens. And we have to deal with it but not be upset about it. I'm completely... Thank you, Robin. Robin Marie, that could be a really good example of I'm seeing something that isn't there um, because I do that too. And I kind of like to remind myself 
the something that isn't there is, is my interpretation of an event or a situation that, um, you know, if I'm not careful, I can give it meaning that's very fearful. So when I, when I remind myself that I'm perceiving something that isn't there, it's kind of like a, a ding-dong in my mind to don't make it real, you know? Don't make it real. Don't give it a scary meaning. Don't frighten yourself by your misperceptions. So thank you for that. Yeah, it's amazing how easily it is to frighten myself if I don't watch out. Thank you. Thank you, Lana. I I think that yes. one of the things, too, is, you know, in the past, my boss is someone who wants to stand on top of people. She wants to be in control so much that she forgets that we are sensitive people. And so she steps on people's toes to show them that she's boss. And I need to look at her as Christ and start treating her as if she doesn't do that to help her, uh, you know, have a better staff relationship. There's there's something that I can do that could change the atmosphere that she has with her co with her people that she's hired, and I'm trying to figure that out. But one of the things is that you know I'm perceiving something that is not there. In other words, the root of that is really shallow, and you know she's depended on it too much. But it's it's not something that can cannot be changed. So I'm working on it. Thanks. <laughs> oh, we all are working on it. You know, it's, yeah. it's like um, when I um, get up in the morning, I try to give everything and everybody permission just to be who they are. And so I won't be reactionary to situations during the day. Um, I just remember, oh, I gave him permission to be a grump. Or <laughs> I gave him the weather permission to rain or snow. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I'm thinking if I ask for help, like, you know, there's a period of time where I have the children inside, it's raining all day, and there aren't enough choices for them. And I'm thinking, well, you know, today I'm going to ask her for help. Like, instead of sending a child out of the room, which I don't do, actually, because of their behavior, I try to continually um, show that they can do, but there needs to be more happening in that room. And so I'm going to ask her for help, and maybe um, she'll be able to provide it, and that'll be good. It'll be good for her, and it will be very good for the children and me. That's my goal today. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thank you. I'm just wondering if you're able to hear my voice now. Yes. Yes. For some reason, I had the app open twice. I guess it was 
causing some problems. That's interesting, um, Robin Marie, because I had the thought, you know, you could tell her, you know, your job must be very stressful. I don't really want your job. You want to come spend some time with the kids, and that's in some way that that's what you're uh, you're you're we're talking about asking for her help. Um, yeah, I was asked three or four times to be a director, and I each time, no, no, thank you. I know it is stressful. I mean, that's why I'm still there, and a lot of people left <laughs> because they couldn't take the um, the what they considered abuse. It's just the uh, misunderstanding that that they're not valued. And but I know that she has a good heart and you know that I am valued. It's just that her job is very very stressful. And she's the only uh director up here who has a going preschool. I mean, she's been able to go through COVID, zooming, you know, all kinds of things that are happening to all of us, but she's been able to have a very thriving preschool because of her dedication to making it work. So I appreciate having a job and I appreciate her. Oh, that's such a gift for her to have you there validating her truth. Yeah. Well, it's this class, too, that I'm taking with all of you. It makes... It makes me, it gives me an ability to have a, a larger view of what's happening, a more accurate Christ vision than I would if I was just trying to figure it out by myself. Help. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank you for sharing. That was wonderful. Thank you. Well. Yeah. Thank you. Hi guys, it's Jude. I'm glad you're all here. I'm, uh, as you are all well aware, because I've shared it so often, um, have a body that's in pain pretty consistently and to a, uh, you know, a a 6 to a 10 scale of pain every day. And um, so for this lesson, you know, I get angry I'm, I'm full of fear, not full of it, but I worry, I get depressed at my body because I see something that it's not there. And in the second line it says, you know, that the form of my upsets, I, they, they, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about the health of my body because I see something that it's not there, you know, and going to the review, you know, the um, miracle principles spoke of the difference between intellectualizing and thinking. And, um, you know, 
the intellectual realization that I am not my body, that I am spirit, that I'm in touch and, and aware of, of my reality, which is, is indescribable and does not have a form, which is told never frightening, and it's impossible that, that my reality could upset me, and reality brings me only perfect peace. So when I'm upset, it's always because I have replaced my true reality with the illusion that I am a body, which I made up. I made up an image of myself. (laughs) And I don't understand how all that happened, but um, here I am. I'm in this body. I can't deny it. And it's upsetting because I, I, I give it reality. And, you know... There was a time before my pain where I, I routinely, daily, forgot that I was in a body. I was solely, purely mind and spirit and happy, joyful and free and felt the incredible lightness of my being. But this pain has pulled me into the physical reality of having a body and is causing me suffering. I readily admit it. I don't deny it, and um, but my self that God created me is not affected in any way by this confusion. I'm always upset by nothing. So in, in, in trying to maintain these, these exercises and everything else I've learned from the Course over the course of the many years that I've studied and practiced it, it still is very difficult. And um, someone mentioned on Reverend Pam's conference call this morning doing the lesson that, you know, she really believes that Christ went through the passion of his crucifixion without feeling it in his body as a body, not in his body or as his body. And, you know, he, he teaches us to, to be of good cheer because we have overcome this illusion of being a body and of being in this world. So I'm just hanging, hanging fast and trying to keep a steady, disciplined mind. But I'm telling you, one of the worst things I've ever experienced is self-pity, and I don't, I don't like to go there. But I got to admit, I'm I'm human in this form here, and oh, just to be spirit, just to be spirit, purely mind, would free me from this. And I guess it's all. And thank you for joining me in in our oneness of Christ consciousness and in hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit and sharing your experience and strength with me today. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. This is Sandra. Thank you, Judy. I so appreciate your transparency, Judy, because I'm in a, I'm in an inquiry about this whole thing, <laughs> about transcending the body, 
and it's 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 uncomfortability since you know the question is I'm having a body experience it means that I am experiencing a body and I have to include that experience with spirit because I am spirit my identity is with spirit and I absolutely believe that spirit trumps everything it it, you know the mind of God when when my mind holds only what I think with God which is one of my affirmations um, it it will it will heal the body I don't need any medicine including alternative medicine (laughs) but I'm not sure whether for me it's because I'm I have such respect and admiration for this body and and the things that it can do because it it is a self-healing body Um, and I find that what helps it heal is more alternative medicine I seem to have success with that taking myself out of pain and but it's the truth of it is that it's the mind of God that's going to heal the body and so Jude and I just so appreciate you sharing your process because it's because you're being transparent you're not acting as if you know oh all is well no you, you go it had hurts and it and it and sometimes you said I go into self-pity I'm human you know it's just like that is so genuine for me because it's it's this process and this <laughs> the lesson today of uh, I am upset because I see something that is not there I'm upset because I see separation I and when I see separation I think oh there's something wrong here instead of seeing that the pain in my body might be the perfect thing for me to say oh wait a minute there's something amiss here I, I need to shift or change or figure you know I, it's and and I will leave no stone unturned until I can figure out what this body experience needs so that it can thrive so it can get itself out of pain because it can I believe I absolutely believe that um, it's either the mind of God or finding the right formula (laughs) so and I think that there's that I have two choices and I don't think there's any quick fix I think it's all a process and it's all a process that is for me so that I can awaken and I'm sure Jude that you know that this is for you and your awakening process at least I hope you know that because I for me my my uh, my upsets they're soothed when I see that it's all part of my awakening process when I make the connections rather than oh there's something wrong here so I just so appreciate you and you sharing your process. I'm complete. Thank you for sharing that. I, I have, um, this is Diana. Go ahead, Diane. Okay, thank you. Um, uh, um, um, paragraph 65 they talk about dimensions again and I just want to be clear what dimension they're referring to because 
couple of lessons before we were talking about levels or the last couple of lessons, and now they're referring to dimensions. And so um, the emptiness, it says, the emptiness engendered by fear should be replaced by love because love and its absence are in the same dimension and correction cannot be undertaken except within a dimension. Otherwise, there has been a confusion of levels. Death is a human, uh, well, it, it goes on to saying more than that, but it's just that those first couple of paragraphs that I just want to have some clarity on. This is Charles, if I may. Um, but if, if I can share that when I'm with someone and I'm personally sharing with that person at their level of understanding and their level of acceptance, I ask for guidance in sharing in a way that it can be received whatever level they are at because I'm not aware of all the various levels that are available to everyone and I can't name all the levels there are but I do understand that everybody is at a level of the ability to receive um, something and um, I'm always asking for help in sharing from that level, uh, knowing that there are levels without understanding the levels of how they work. So that's my uh, sharing in that area of levels. Um, I cannot explain the levels, uh, but I, I, I understand that uh, I cannot speak like an adult to a baby or an infant I need to come to their level of sharing for their acceptance and reasoning so that it's simple enough for them to receive and accept it. For someone who's a little bit more mature. How do you place dimension in that? Because it's talking about dimensions. Dimensions, well, that's... that's Dimensions as far as... Uh, the three dimensions, four dimensions, five dimensions, is that what you mean by dimension? What's your, what's your meaning of dimensions? Well, that's what I was referring to. That was my question regarding... Oh, I'm sorry. Second, I thought you meant... Because it was it, it's, no, it's talking about dimensions, and then it, refer, then it talks about the level. But thank oh, you okay. for the baby analogy. That really helps. Well, we're coming into this world facing people at different levels. That makes sense. Thank you. I'm sorry. I, I guess I misunderstood the question. Dimensions are a little beyond my... Um, I mean, I understand dimension of time and <clears throat> space and, and the form. Um, that one of... Uh, Dimensions, that's it. Uh, I'm sorry, that's beyond my uh, way of understanding or to sharing at the moment. Thank you for the baby analogy. Thank you. Uh, it helps to see all of us. When they were talking about levels, I'm going back in again to 
level that we were referring to in the past, subconscious, that kind of thing. And so you just put some clarity and light on these levels. So thank you. May I, may I speak to this? It might be helpful. When um, it speaks of death, it's a human affirmation of a belief. You know, that the ego wants to kill us. And the ego believes that we're a body and that we can be killed or die or be hurt on a physical level or in the dimension of being physical. <clears throat> now, first we have to undo the false or mistaken beliefs that we are comprised of this physical form and matter. And this is my dilemma, that I, I think I, I know and I feel and experience the presence of God in me throughout the day, but I've still got this body I'm lugging around. And, you know, whether, whether it's, it's still something that I should just be at peace with and love and, 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 and go on being joyful, in spite of the pain in my body, which would be the next level or dimension, because only the mind can be sick. And that's the next level or dimension of understanding, that I am purely mind and I am purely spirit, that you can't touch me, that I am unable to be hurt or affected by any lack of love from anyone including myself, that I have that understanding intellectually and spiritually. I, I have that knowing awareness of who I am as, as myself, my Christ consciousness. But what, what and how do I bring that down into the physical? Or don't I even worry about it? And... So, yeah, it's it's ahead. a quantity, I'm, isn't it? Yeah, it's like oh, you you know, I would I I haven't had that kind of pain, but um, I lived with someone for uh, thirty nine years who had a brain surgery, and he had a lot of pain, and he had a lot of uh, because of epilepsy and so forth. But uh, you know, I would keep um, asking the Holy Spirit what is this for? What am I to do with this? How am I to deal with this? And the Holy Spirit, it says, will answer. The Holy Spirit will give you something that you can hold on to. And the other thing that I noticed was that when the pain is released, there is such a wonderful uh, uh, feeling of freedom and um, thankfulness that many people never experience because they don't have that pain. So, you know, it's like somebody was talking about Jesus on the cross. It's like, well, you can't believe that he couldn't feel anything, or you can believe, as I do, that, you know, God was there with him, strengthening him, the Holy Spirit was there, and when he released, it was an incredible release. Like, nobody has ever had so you know 
anyway, there's, I, I think that just resting, uh, surrendering, and asking the Holy Spirit um, and from somebody who, you know, can only empathize with you. But um, I'm thankful that you brought it up. Thank you. Thank you, Robin Marie. And, uh, you know, the, something somebody said earlier about, um, well, maybe I just thought it, that we are changeless and we cannot distort or destroy ourselves as God created us, that um, anything that changes, like pain, like the pain isn't always as severe or sometimes it goes away because I'll be sitting, but that um, release that you spoke of is so sweet to me. <laughs> and I know exactly what you're talking about. So thank you for reminding me of those moments of joy when joy returns mm-hmm. without interference of what the ego would make of me as being a body. Thank you. Thank you. I may, in the course of love, Jesus says while he was in his humor experience that we were there rooting for him on the other side uh, while he was going through what he was going through. Um, This is not our first round. And uh, we've been both both sides. I believe that that I've been on both sides the uh, veil many times uh, not reincarnation is important but that we're all brothers and sisters and we are eternal in nature and uh, we all support each other on both sides and I like that song Hotel California you can check out anytime you like but you can never leave because we are a family and we're always there for each other regardless which side of the veil we're on. With early give thanks. Thank you, Charles. It really is obvious to me that, you know, the this mistaken perception of myself or my this mistaken self-appraisal of being in and as a body is is a veil over my peace and over my joy, which is always my ground zero underneath all of my experiences. And when I'm still, be still and know I am, it it's always present and available. So thank you for that. Thank you. Much love, my dear friend. Thank you.
Uh, this is Lemoyne. I I uh, want to speak to this thing about dimension. You see the way, and to me, the way I see it come up as uh, as an e- expansion of the concept of level, right? But I think it is important to recognize that these are are really in in a I think if they affect us, right, if we have them dictate our behavior, this perception of different levels like body, mind <clears throat> and spirit or soul that 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 is um, I, 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 if we perceive them as separate that's an error I, I think. right and and somehow fundamentally different that that there is some some kind of differencing involved enough to create individuation but it doesn't <clears throat> it doesn't actually create real separation but um you know being um, i like the term born into born into a body although i think that <laughs> that where he says we made it that the body actually collects around the spirit um, entering into matter. And in that way, you know, that ontogeny of the of the embryo through fetus into infant recreates the phylogeny of the, the ascent of light from, you know, fish. It, at different times, it's it, it's almost indistinguishable from other forms of life's embryo. That you know, this is <clears throat> this is an entirely an entirely natural process. But we have assigned all kinds of meaning that mean you know each being is separate in the body. And what this course is trying to get us to change is our, simply our perception of the whole thing, right? That the description of the levels of mind between the deepest level, which always contains the miracle impulse, being the thought of God that created us, and then the uppermost level of superconscious, which is, you know... God complete and everything complete and whole and a state of revelation. But that difference, the seeming difference in between is required to generate enough individuation to create relationship. And that's all that's really, that's all that's real, that's the, that's the purpose. But we throw in perceptions of separation and then we think the levels are separate 
and absolutely determinative of everything. This is the perception of the, the, the soul that believes it's alone. <clears throat> and if we are truly alone, then we're separate from our source, and we can experience, you know, if we believe that, really, we have an experience of lack of love because that the it hides the love that actually created us and is what we are as light. You know, we might have a body, but we don't have a light. We are light. We are alive. And that there's a lot, there's just so much confusion comes in in trying to describe it in words because words are designed to distinguish and separate things into different classes, categories, levels, dimensions, you know. And um, we lose sight of the of the big picture and of, of the fact that, you know, the central fact that, you know, life is the cause of action. And this is why there is a distinction about <clears throat> revelation inducing only experience, but the miracle can induce action. Um, and it's not necessarily physical action. It may just be the action of changing your perception further than the change that allowed the miracle to rise up from within and remind us of who we are, that then the action may be a, a big mind cleaning or a very specific, this one thing is where you've nailed your foot to the floor. <laughs> but there is no floor, and that nail you made up. And so I, I don't know if that's helpful at all, but the, the, that description of, of the lowest level and the highest level um, I think is is about where we are as individuated beings. But the big picture, those those upper and lower levels are the same. That they are one and part of creation. And you know, <clears throat> I don't believe that individual beings were created to put a crack in creation but we need to expand our view to see that there is a hole behind everything and that you know we do have access to it so you know the mind that places itself in service to spirit <clears throat> is able to recognize the love that it is and um I, you know, for me, <laughs> it's been, it's been, you know, it, the hard part for the whole thing has been to get those two of those last three words in there. I could recognize the love that is, but I didn't recognize the love that I am. That love that right? So there is a thing of including ourselves in it. 
that it opens it up to where it becomes natural to experience it everywhere and offer it to anyone. Yes, yes, yes. And that that is, that's what, you know, don't, I would say don't, <laughs> the primary level confusion is getting lost in the level and thinking that they're separate and cause for judgment or fear because that, that's, that is not, in the, there is no part of this book that says there is cause for judgment and fear over there. It's all error. <clears throat> and just that, just a, a mistake, you know, it's just a mistaken perception, a mistake. Like, throw that take out, and if it were a movie, they would say, okay, scrap that, and we'll do that again. <laughs> that didn't, didn't come out right, and pulled out the gun, and it was a rubber chicken, whatever. Anyway, I'm complete. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you. It reminds me of that movie. Ever seen the movie What the Bleep Do We What the Bleep Do We Know? Uh, down the rabbit hole. They have a good way of explaining dimensions there in sort of quite the scientific way. They say we can draw a circle around the ant and the ant will be trapped even though it's just a pencil mark on a piece of paper. The ant can only see in two dimensions, straight ahead and straight back. It can't see up or down, has no idea of height. So it becomes trapped within the circle. We find ourselves within a body and so we get so a belief so strongly about the body that we can't see outside the body and we get trapped within the dimension of the body and we find ourselves limited in our scope and understanding and as soon as we become very still and quiet all of a sudden we enter into a new level beyond time and beyond space because we're living in the present moment in stillness and in quietness and we enter into a different experience a different dimension so that's my understanding of dimensions is from the, the movie what the bleep do we know helped me understand the idea that dimensions are just the ways of how we experience the different levels of first second third fourth fifth dimensions like that to a point where there is no such thing as dimensions there's just a sense of all inclusiveness all dimensions become inclusive and that is beyond our understanding from the physical sense uh, that's to be experienced through direct communication with God revealing this, when God creates revelation and that's when we experience great joy and freedom with a line complete thank you
Thank you for that. This is Charles again. Um, I'd like to share a story of uh, somewhat of a, of a childhood of imagination, of superstitions that we we learned when we were children, that we knew they were superstitions and they weren't true, but because they were fun to imagine, we were able to play the part real good and scare ourselves the imagination. My daughter was a good example for me. I've always wondered why she wanted to watch scary movies because she liked the idea of being scared. Even though she didn't like being scared and that was really perplexed me. She likes being scared but she didn't like the you know she, you could see that she really it sort of perplexed me to no end why that was so and I realized that we, um, for some reason, we like mystery, we like danger, and we like to get into mystery. And it seems to be the theme of this life we find ourselves in. And, uh, I just thought I'd share that because it was just something 
came up so strong inside me right now about the mystery of life and how we entered this world as children with imaginations and how we, on purpose, did things to cause ourselves like, you know, you want to torture a child, lead them to their imagination. And their imagination will do that for them. Um, that's what fear is, isn't it? Fear is all imagined. It's an imagined state of being. But what is, there's nothing to fear. But when we think of future or past, then fear creeps in. What if? Anyways, thank you. Thank you, Charles. Well, if somebody walks into where I am with a knife or a gun pointed at me, I'd probably be very afraid. I don't know. I've heard of people that weren't. I've heard of people that, you know, if you're still able to exude love and the person, the other person calmed down and it all worked out and all that kind of stuff. And that's wonderful. I'm so happy about that. But somehow I don't think I'd be one of those people. So I'm really glad that's never happened to me. <laughs> um, thank you. I'm complete. Well, <laughs> this is the line, and uh, pardon me, Charles, but <laughs> I'm going to talk about the the motto of the United States. So, might be helpful to you, but you know, it's on. I think it's on all the coins. Um, this thing of e pluribus unum, which is translated as out of many, one. And, you know, that that is the change in perception that that's uh, called for in moving into golden rule behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. A you. little later in the course, it's, I believe it's called, I see wish Laurie was here, um, that it's called the... Uh, um, the the healers the healers perspective let me view this brother as myself and that really what is going on here is instead of out of many one 
but what has what's gone on is out of one many, and we see that as those many as separate, um, losing track of the fact that it, it is all one and comes from one is bound um, <laughs> bound um, like imprisoned but it is bound in in the embrace the embrace of one of the unity mm. which allows all of creation to appear and not just fall back apart again um, and so you know, I think this is the change in perception that that's required, not in a sensible rule, but it's like the whole way out, <laughs> out of uh, what we what we have created through our perception that out of one came many, and now now there's cause for fear, and it's not a cause for fear on the level of being because it's all expression of life the life that we are and uh, <clears throat> you know when scientists look at the body in fear and the body is excited the reaction the action in the body is the same and you know the interpretation of fear is what we Plays on, and I, and I get it. There's risk of the body. I mean, I, I escaped the a situation where um, I was being hunted by somebody with a gun, but I only did it because I listened to the voice that that says that asked me, "Do you want peace?" And I said, "Yes." And everything got quiet in my mind, and and then I got directions that I don't recall as directions, but they guided me and placed me in a position where I could make it stop, and it was for the benefit of all, you know, <laughs> it wasn't just for me, but it was for the benefit of the person who was about to make the mistake of. of uh, turning our mutually conflicting misbehavior in, you know, for a temporary situation, she was seeking a permanent solution. And uh, as uh, um, you know, all's well that ends well, but I got out of that by listening to guidance. And uh, I wish I had gotten a lesson of that earlier that you know, you know, what I really want is peace, and it's found in that inner stillness with the guide. And I'm complete. And thank you all for being here today. Thank you, Lemoyne. Thank you, Lemoyne. My lesson when I was a young child, 15, 16, and I held the rifle to my head. And I was praying at the same time. And it was just that God's love just was so strong. And like, I just couldn't. 
the reason that was that was there was the foolishness that was made real to me, and I was able to lower and relieve and get rid of and never use a weapon again in my life. But that's the closest. It wasn't from someone else, it was from myself. And I know there's many young people out there who have faced the same. And, uh, and this is where I got into the Jesus people after that. Back into religion. That's where my religion started, was that moment in time. And, uh, because it was a powerful moment for me. And, uh, I was buying into the stories of all the kids in schools. And I was buying into all the drama. And I was going to cash out my ticket. Prayer was taught to me, and prayer was what I used. And thank God that I appreciate the prayer that was uh, that led my life from there on in. But, uh, I guess we all have our moments in our lives where we make decisions, where we meet that line we cross or not. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think as human beings, there are times whether we have no religion or we have religion. Um, I, I was a, um, a lot of mine had to do with guilt. God help me if I thought about killing myself and going to hell forever. Oh hell no! <laughs> you know? um, but we all know there, there's there's not a hell. But back when you're in dualistic upbringing, there's a lot of religious guilt that you carry around that sometimes has saved people's lives. And um, I'm glad that we have a course. I'm glad that we have a way out and beyond ourselves. And it really does come down to what we choose or how, how we, you know, what we're thinking. We can turn that around. Um, if I'm suffering, then I'm making choices on my own and not with God. And if I, when I, I, I feel those feelings and I have to, and, and that awareness is around me, then I can also choose again, saying, okay, I'm going to let this go. Help me, God, make a better decision. And stay in, stay in love. I'm complete. Thank you. Choose again and again and again and again and again. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Right. (laughs) Again, again, thank you all.